Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. Uh, Three things for the younger listeners to be listening for. The first, what did I love about World Communion Sunday as a child? The second, if God created a place for you to live, what would it be like? And the third, how many times do I say the word communion? So three things for our younger or older listeners to be listening for this morning. When I was little, I loved World Communion Sunday. World Communion Sunday is the day when we celebrate our oneness with Christ with all our siblings around the world, joining with other denominations to share this feast of communion together, a practice that started in the 1930s, and Presbyterians are very proud to tell you that it was a Presbyterian pastor who invented it. Well, when I was little, I loved it because when the plate with the small cubes of bread was passed on this one Sunday. It was full of so many options, breads from traditions around the world that looked and tasted different. And my goal was always to figure out which one might taste the most like shortbread and pick out that piece without touching any of the others around it. Well, over the years, I've enjoyed being a part of World Communion Sunday worship services and helping to plan for the ways in which members of the church, who themselves are from around the world, could share their gifts and language with the broader community. If you know me, you know I love a theme. And so I've enjoyed setting up worship spaces to remind us of the occasion and working the words of bread and cup into every prayer, every hymn, every part of the service. But each year I participate in these festivities, it's left me with more questions and concerns about the celebration. I worry that I have inadvertently contributed to tokenism in worship, only spending that much effort to find a variety of voices one day a year, only remembering the possibility of having different types of bread at communion once a year, celebrating a universal oneness in Christ without paying enough attention to the social, political, racial, and economic systems that have been at play in spreading the gospel. It leads me to think about what it means that my ancestors spread the good news of Jesus Christ in ways that were anything but good to the people who received it, and to think about the ways in which the name of Jesus has been used and continues to be used to hurt others. It's a complicated day. But within these wonderings, I can feel the spirit at work. I can see the ways in which each question pushes me and us as a community to explore what it really means to be in communion with one another and how that leads us to make more intentional choices about leadership and worship practices and financial decisions within our church, to cultivate conversations that stretch our thinking and our vocabularies and our understanding of what it means to be alive in this world today, to really love people who are from every place that you can be from, And I think that at the core of its goodness, World Communion Sunday highlights this way in which we co-create our world with God, inviting God to enter into our lives and help us 
in creating, transforming, and blessing uniqueness, culture, and our very beings. Blessing the goodness of it, and also naming the sin that we participate in that makes the world look different than God's desired kingdom here on earth. When we hold these things in tension with God, we begin to better understand and celebrate the multiplicity of what it looks like to live one's life as a follower of Jesus Christ. I just celebrated my 13th anniversary this week. That's the anniversary of my ordination of a minister of Warden Sacrament. And in my earlier years, I imagine that sounds a little bit like when my six-year-old says, when I was young. But in my earlier years, I used to really not like this text from John that we read this morning. It seemed cliche and overused. (laughs) But then I started being asked to lead funeral and memorial services on a regular basis. In my first church call and in my beginning days here at Fairmount, the people that I was leading services on behalf of were often people I'd never met, or if I had, I certainly didn't know them very well. One of the things that I learned through those experiences is just how comforting and gracious this John passage really is. I found myself listening to the remembrances of family and friends and creating a picture in my head of what the dwelling place or the room that God had prepared for that particular person might look like. I found that practice to be one that helped me to better connect to the family who was grieving because it helped me get to know their loved one. And the families often got a chuckle out of thinking of the items in their loved one's heavenly home, as well as that tangible reminder of how well we are known by God. I've also done this when people close to me have died. In my mind, my great-aunt Emma, also known as Aunt Toots, her room has pristine wall-to-wall carpet, a bottle of Canadian rye with enough glasses for a party, and a deck of euchre cards at the ready. My grandfather's room has a large screen TV with which to watch all of the sports that ever happen ever in the world, a collection of cigars, a wide variety of argyle sweaters, sweater vests, and paisley print shirts, which are meant to be worn together, and the infamous Stockert family photo circa 1992. We had a parishioner not long ago who passed away who was an architect, and so clearly he had a say in the design of his room. Another whose room might have had trophies of the race car races he had won and big band music playing on the radio. And recently, I envisioned a space where a member was telling limericks to God with a closet full of hilarious outfits and boat shoes. I don't know that this is really what any of the rooms that God prepared for these saints might actually look like, but I do believe that this passage is an example of divine hospitality the God who created heaven and earth, who became flesh and lived among us, who has done great and awe-filled things, cares in an intimate way about each of us. What an incredible gift. We are each of us children of God, and so Jesus welcomes us in and creates intentional space for each of us. And I wonder if this hospitality, this graciousness, 
this expansiveness and intentionality and personal relationship and attentiveness to detail is what our celebration of World Communion Sunday should actually be all about. Living one's life as a follower of Jesus has many commonalities throughout time and geography, but how it's expressed is more varied than the experiences we happen to contain in this room or screen or this church or even this denomination. God's presence in all the world and ways we can see and also can't even begin to comprehend, that's the good news. That Jesus walks with those who are on the margin and walks and challenges those in the center of every continent and every region, that's a gift. The focus is not on getting everybody to profess the same doctrine or pray the same prayers or sing the same songs wearing exactly the same robes. The celebration is in the incomprehensible number of ways that it is possible to experience God's love and respond to it. So we have reminders before us today of the variety of ways in which people across place and culture seek to worship God. We have hymns and music in different languages and styles. We have a table with cloths that display the artistry and design of different cultures. And we have bread, lots of bread. Bread which will remind us that that's Christ's body. And it helps us to taste and to see that the Lord is good. And that that goodness extends into all sorts of combinations of flowers and spices and leavening agents. But we can't stop here. We need to commit ourselves to learning more about the lived experiences of others we share this holy ground with. To read theology from indigenous people and listen to sacred music played by instruments we've never even heard of. To be washed in prayer by the words of people from marginalized communities and to let these experiences grow how we understand God and Jesus' presence in the world. We've got an opportunity for you to do that today I hope that you'll come back this afternoon or tune in online like I will be doing to listen to the poetry of Dr. Joshua Bennett. And there's lots more information in your bulletin. But one of his poems on blueness has a line that's been sitting with me for the past two weeks since I read it. Who can be alive today and not study grief? There's so much grief in our world. And many of us have been taught or conditioned to avoid grief at all costs, to look away from the messiness of the world, to block out the voices in pain in search of good vibes only. But we cannot be connected to one another. We cannot be allies of one another if we have not sat with one another in the painful reality of the world we live in. If we have not listened to the statistics on gun violence and also the stories of those who have experienced it. If we have not read about the indigenous residential schools in the U.S. and Canada where the government separated indigenous children from their parents and where thousands died. To see the images of the women's marches across the country and hear of the rights and respect women everywhere continue to have to fight for 
to realize that our leadership in worship this morning is mostly cisgendered white folks. We need to study this grief. Because when we do these things, when we sit in these realities, even when they're hard and uncomfortable, when they bring up questions that we need to wrestle with and prompt us toward real change, that is when we are participating in God's divine hospitality in action. On this World Communion Sunday, I pray that we can let ourselves live into God's reality and love for all creation by acknowledging the ways in which our life and our particular locations can attempt to prevent God's goodness from flowing freely across borders of our own making, and also by letting ourselves be transformed by the people we come to know, by the relationships we put energy in, and the work of God's Holy Spirit, a spirit which cannot be contained, but which moves freely through all the world. When we can do these things, that is when we will truly experience Christ's peace in all times and in all ways. May it be so. Alleluia and amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.